Welcome in to the Autzen Audibles podcast. I'm Matt Prem, Eric Scopel, Jared Mack on the show. Welcome to your Tuesday edition. We're a couple days away from the Pac-12 championship game at Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas across from the beautiful, lovely Mandalay Bay. We spoke with Mario Cristobal, and boy, this team goes into Tuesday. Eric was uh, very uh, a prophet like on Monday's show saying we will have news. We will have, we will have injury news and we, boy, do we have a ton of it. Um, and it's, I think everything of it, everything that we got out of Mario Cristobal guys was in some capacity, very good news down the road, good news and immediate good news. Yeah. So I have the injury story up on DuckTerritory.com. Um, but yeah, just like Matt said, it's all good news for the, for, except for one thing, but We'll get to that. Um, Mario uh, began it by saying Noah Sewell, Michael Wright, and DJ Johnson are good to go this week against Utah. Um, Sewell and Wright were injured in the second half. Both didn't return to the game. Uh, Sewell's looked like it was a a left arm injury. At least that's what the ESPN broadcast was saying. Uh, Wright's, I wasn't so sure on. I don't know if you guys caught it at all at the game. I think Um, it was – isn't it the same shoulder he's been dealing with for like – weeks i think it was the same yeah. thing he re-aggravated on a hit with tegan kidriano that's what it looked like to me yeah and so and dj johnson hasn't played in a couple weeks uh he has he's had an undisclosed injury we have no idea what it is but it looks that he's like he's good to go um keith brown is a game time decision according to mario cristobal he did not play against oregon state so that's something to keep an eye on um as for future potential returns which was an interesting note from cristobal uh, Bennett Williams is somebody that won't play this week against Utah, but Mario did say there's a good chance that he can return in like three weeks. Uh, he also mentioned that there's a couple of guys who could probably return in three weeks. Uh, he did not get into specifics or name names when it came to the handful of guys that he mentioned. Um, we can all take our shots in the dark, but he did not list them, but he did mention that Bennett Williams is one of those guys who could potentially return down the line. And lastly, the only other injury news was Keon Ware-Hudson. Crystal Ball mentioned that he does not know if Keon Ware-Hudson will return uh, and play this week, but it didn't sound good just coming out of Mario's mouth. He was on crutches on Saturday. Yeah. I don't think he plays. I don't think he plays either. Neither do I. Um, I, I think first and foremost, like I, I didn't think you, Oregon could win if they didn't have Noah Sewell. So mm-hmm. having Noah Sewell in this game is is massive. Um, but I'm almost more excited about the potential return of more than a couple guys from injury. You know, Bennett Williams being one of them. Um, but I, I, I think we're starting to see where this team was going a month and a half ago, where it was if we could just get to the end of the season, we're going to see some guys come back. Because we saw Jackson LaDuke a couple weeks ago come back, and Mario Cristobal mm-hmm. really praised how he was able to come back and, and start making an impact at a position of need. Uh, we're, we're, we're getting the Bennett Williams stuff. We know Sean Dollars is close to getting back. Um, just this team has been ragged by injuries so – for so long, but now we're starting to see that th- those injuries kind of go away and guys come back and it's, it's, it's all mostly positive news, good news, well-received news for Oregon. 
Short term, it's huge. This game, with I mean, you said it, Matt. I agree. If Noah Sewell is unavailable, if Mikhail Wright was unavailable, um, that would have been really hard to overcome. You think about the possible disaster Oregon also avoided in the fourth quarter with that Verone McKinley targeting call being reversed. I've seen the call. I think it was the right decision, actually, from the Pac-12, which I rarely say. Um, but if that, I mean, this could have been a scenario where Oregon was down a bunch of its top defensive players. And now it looks like of the players that have been healthy of late, they're pretty close to full strength right now. I mean, no Keith Brown, more than likely it kind of sounded like as well, along with Keanu Ke- Hudson. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm reading too much into that, but the way that was said was sort of didn't sound super optimistic. But that means they're down two of their top 16, 18 guys that, that have been playing of late. That's that's pretty good considering the way things have gone. And I know that maybe we're viewing it all from this lens of sort of just the ragged nature of injuries this year. So any positive news sounds more positive, but to avoid significant injuries, huge for this game. And then like Matt said, big picture, they're going to have a much healthier team for that bowl game. I'll be curious to see. We'll get this information. I'm sure following sometime next week, I would guess whenever we speak with Mario next of kind of who some of those more candidates were, he didn't want to run through all the names, but you mentioned a Sean dollars. I think a drew Mathis is a name to maybe keep an eye on um, as, as another person he's mentioned in the past that, that could back could come back. Um, is it a possibility of maybe one of those, not Cam McCormick, but could Patrick Herbert, who's not been on crutches or a boot recently, come back? Could a same similar kind of deal with Jonathan Dennis and Logan Sagapalo, two other guys who we've seen recently not in the same kind of standing as they were earlier in the year where it was clear they weren't playing. So a bunch of names. We're probably, they're probably some I'm forgetting, um, but we'll get to a bunch of those later. But I, I agree that that was kind of a notable that he left the door open for a bunch of those guys. And now we're getting to the point of the year where that actually is closing in and and could be a possibility. I don't, I don't know if he meant this as a shot or not. My ears kind of perked when he called Oregon state, the biggest rival and that they were very excited and very pleased with beating the Beavers last week. Yeah. I think that was intentional. Don't you? I mean, it was definitely a shot at the, I guess both teams are. Yeah. But the the team really up North. Yes. Seattle. (laughs) I was pretty clearly not a not so veiled shot. I think at, at the Huskies and just like kind of a total aside. He does that pretty frequently if you watch <laughs> conferences. Um, for those listening that don't, it's worth it to kind of get a feel for a, a lot of the information is held there. We end up turning most of it to articles, but you get a feel for kind of the personality and how he takes shots at other teams. It's a lot of that, that stuff. I even thought when I asked about being in the conference championship for a third time, he used the, we don't proclaim something into, into fact kind of thing. Like you have to go earn yeah. it. Think of the words he used yeah. right after the Oregon-Washington game. Like, it's not yeah. a very – like, it's pretty clear what he's getting at there. Um, kind of interesting timing to take those shots, too, considering those rivalry games are behind you. But, obviously, uh, when you're on top, you're on top. Uh, he, he brought up the fact that this is going to be a physical game. Shocker. Um, I, I think that was something that everyone would expect, knowing Oregon style, knowing Utah style. Um, called Utah, you know, a physical, uh, a disciplined, um, a big team. And he emphasized the physicality this week is going to set the tone for how Friday night will play out. And it's, it's short week. Um, Utah got one extra day of prep. Uh, if, if that's a factor at all, who knows, maybe from a, just a durability standpoint, fresh standpoint, one less day of practice or healing from a previous game, but it's going to be interesting to see this play out. Um, I'm curious to hear what we hear after practice today um, with 
coordinators, with Oregon's coaches. But I think this team knows that they have to play tougher. They have to play more physical, especially in the trenches. I mean, Cristobal mentioned it. Everyone knows this operation is, by them, is is won and lost in the trenches. And I felt like that was a comment that was kind of a challenge to his own team. It has to be. I mean, they lost in the trenches in Salt Lake not that long ago. And and then they lost in other ways too. I mean, it's not all squarely on their shoulders. They screwed up on special teams. They passing attack has nothing to do with the trenches and it wasn't very good. But yeah, collectively they didn't perform to their standard. And this is an offensive line and a defensive front too, which I think maybe we sometimes don't credit enough. Matt brought up a good question I thought today tomorrow about Popo Amabai and, and Brandon Dorless and their contributions. And he acknowledged those guys need to be challenged. Those guys need to take their game up a level. I mean, Utah had some success in first and second down there. I thought, especially as the first half wore down against against Utah, um, that frankly just isn't going to win you football games if you're giving up three to five yards on first down. And that was the case a little bit too much there, especially late in that first half. I thought the first couple of drives they were fine, but that's, we don't have to rehash a game from two weeks ago. Um, I think that part's key. I think it was notable. He said they are going to have to take some precautions just to to stay healthy in terms of not trying to do too much in practice from a over, you know, physicality perspective, doing some thudding as opposed to doing full-on tackling. Um, mm-hmm. That kind of stuff I thought was notable on a short week, and especially with a team that's pretty beaten up. Um, it's going to be, a, a, again, a challenge of, of their will and a challenge of which team is, is stronger up front. And I don't think – I mean, that's a kind of fun thing this week or maybe the not-so-fun thing in terms of trying to figure out the podcast is we've kind of already broken down these matchups. Yeah. We just did this two weeks ago. Those listening who are also listeners then, which I would imagine – a lot of you listening are kind of understand what is at stake, obviously, but also understand like what the challenges are. Cause we just saw them in, in you know, in firsthand it's can Oregon defend the tight ends better in the pass attack. Can Oregon be better on third down? It's can Oregon get stops in the red zone and offensively can the passing game be more effective? Can they extend drives? Can they finish drives? Special teams is continues to be a huge er- emphasis in my opinion. I, had, I did ask Mario about that onside kick, and he didn't really mince words. Basically said, we weren't aligned properly. We didn't execute it well. He didn't want to put the blame on the players. He wanted to put the blame on the coaches. That that was notable. But special teams is an area where you have to be a little bit concerned given some of the shortcomings now in three of the, four, the last four games. Remember, after the Washington game, Mario made a big point that the coverage units weren't very good. Washington mm-hmm. State, I thought a lot of that short up. Utah was a disaster. You had a kick block. You had a kick miss. You had a punt return for a touchdown. Um, even Oregon State, I thought the kickoff coverage wasn't great. You had one go out of bounds. You had another one that made it almost out to midfield. And then, of course, the onside's kick thing. So um, all units need to be at their best to beat a team like Utah. And I thought it was notable that Mario kind of made that point clear again. Yeah, I mean, like your point, your original point was, you know, we've, we've done all the, the matchups for this game two weeks ago. And honestly, I don't. I think most of them two weeks ago are pretty much the same as they are going into this week. Um, I think it starts from the trenches. Uh, obviously, Oregon just just didn't do well against Utah the first time around in the trenches. They got beat first and second down, like you were mentioning, where, where third downs were. I think they only had one third down of over nine yards, um, which is which is worrisome because Utah's offense is you know, really effective in short yardages. They have great running backs. They have great tight ends. You know, those are easy four or five yard play type of personnel. And if they can do that again on Friday against Oregon, it could be a very similar score to the first matchup. Um, but it, yeah, it all starts in the trenches and, and, and pressuring 
uh, Cameron Rising in the backfield and getting some push up the middle with Popo and Brandon Dorlis or Jason Jones, whoever it is that's on the line that day. Um, they need to establish the run game as well. They had, you know, obviously the, the score impacted how much they could run against Utah the first time around, given the benefit of the doubt there. But even still in the first, second quarter when it wasn't a, you know, a blowout, um, there wasn't a lot on the running game. Uh, I do think it was really interesting and important to see that Anthony Brown looked healthy against Oregon yeah. State because that's a huge, huge proponent of their offense. And when you get a defense to think about, not only do I have to cover Travis Dye, who's shifty, has great mobility, can find a hole, um, but I also have to worry about the RPO and, and Anthony Brown taking it and keeping it and having a QB draw or something like that. Um, I think that'll be really beneficial to Oregon against Utah this time around. And it was in the first quarter against Utah. Oregon had some, uh, you know, some key runs later on their first drive of the game with Anthony Brown going for 10 to 15 yards. Um, but I also wrote about this in my machinations column on Monday, where this is a team we've talked about it again on this podcast. Um, Utah is a team that will not let Oregon's self-inflicted wounds, um, you know, go unharmed. Like they're yeah. going to take advantage of that. And Oregon, when it comes down to the red zone, um, they can't have any more of those holding calls on like a first and 10 that make it a second and 20, which because that's just going to force uh, you know, a third and long. And we've seen all year long that that is not a good territory for Oregon to be in. Um, Anthony Brown really excels on first and second down, little play fakes, stuff like that, you know, having time in the pocket. Um, but Utah's defensive line is good. They're going to get pressure on Anthony Brown and – Pressure on Anthony Brown on first and second down isn't great, but pressure on Anthony, down, Anthony Brown on a third down and long, that's going to be a huge scenario to watch for on Friday. But, yeah, this is just hearing from what Mario said today and, and seeing their performance on Saturday for the most part. I will say the fourth quarter wasn't great, but they're still dealing with injuries. I digress. Um, it just seems like this team is, is over it. They essentially you know, buried the tape. I know Mario was very dismissive of the idea of bearing or burning game tape, but you don't do it. You don't do don't it. Don't do it. You don't do it. No, never, never. So don't tell Dan Campbell, but it does seem like this team has learned from that. Um, they, they executed really well on Saturday on offense with their passing attack as well. Uh, it's against the Oregon state defense. That isn't as good, but uh, this, this should be a, you'd want it to be a close game because that just feels like how it's going to be. It felt like that in the first week, um, but special teams is going to be a huge thing. And thank the, the health, as we mentioned earlier, is looking up. So Michael Wright will be in there instead of Dante Manning, who got picked on a little bit against Oregon State. Uh, this is just a couple of things to look forward to. It was hard for Oregon, I think, at times to run the ball against Utah. Other times they were successful. But I do wonder if the return of DJ Johnson, he's by far Oregon's best blocking tight end in mm -hmm. my eyes. No, it's I, true. I, I think that's a very under-the-radar return for Oregon. It could maybe give if the Ducks a little bit of confidence to stick with the run, even if it does get into a situation where they're they're down two scores. 
I think it's a really good point. I mean, think about all the blocking perimeter blockers that were lost yep. going into that Utah game because Johnny Johnson and Jalen Red, I would have told you are your best receiver blockers on the team. I was then told, according to PFF, Devin Williams is like top five in the country, which sort of surprised me. Um, but uh, so like whatever you want to say, you lost three of your best perimeter blockers in one week. Yeah. And the people you're replacing them with are all true freshmen, basically. Um, you know, whether it's at tight end, it's going to be more Terrence Ferguson and Leaky Matavau, a little Spencer Webb, but blocking typically the first two. And then in terms of the receivers, it was Dante Thornton and Troy Franklin, two true freshmen, maybe a little more Chris Hudson, also technically a second year true freshman. Um, I mean, it, the guys you were putting out there just hadn't had a lot of experience. I thought the perimeter blocking was a lot better against Oregon State. You go watch the game again. Um, the first touchdown Travis Dye has, huge props to Dante Thornton for kind of sealing the edge there mm -hmm. and getting that, that space for him, him uh, for Tra Travis, sorry, to get off tackle. Um, that wasn't the only, it wasn't an isolated incident. There were other um, situations where that was the case throughout the game. I just thought that part was better, but you're right. DJ Johnson is a really valuable part of the run game. And I don't think it was entirely by accident. And there was a lot of stuff at play, but entirely by accident that Oregon's worst rushing day coincided with the losses of three of your best blockers at, aren't offensive linemen on your team. And that's that's tough to overcome, and I think you can commend the way everybody bounced back against Oregon State, and now with an extra week, now with getting DJ back, you'd imagine the run game doesn't really have any excuses as to why it can't perform at a good level. Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna mention that Oregon State, or excuse me, Oregon's wide receiver blocking against the Beavers was was really good. Troy Franklin had a couple moments, Chris Hudson did as well. Uh, Dante Thorne was used in that like pseudo um, DJ Johnson, Johnny Johnson, the Johnson brothers in that wham package where he comes over and takes out whoever's on the edge. Yeah. And he did fine. He's going to have to be more physical against Utah because they're going to have bigger guys and just more physical people. But um, it was a good thing to see. And yeah, like like you said, Eric, it's not a it's shouldn't it's not a coincidence that Oregon's worst rushing attack. Uh, of the season against Utah was after Johnson Red and and the other Johnson DJ are out. Um, that's it was the first game with all three of the true freshmen, including Chris Hudson, were in there. Um, all the freshmen or tight ends as well. But it, it was clear that they improved from Utah to Oregon State. Um, so that's a another big thing to watch going forward. They just have to match Utah's physicality off the edge. We should note uh, as we wrap up. This podcast, um, Mark Cristobal was asked just about how he's doing as as just a, a, a human being um, because he did have to fly to Miami to go see his mom, who he said after Saturday's win is, is ill. Um, and he said she's fighting. He, he said they're taking it basically day by day. Um, and then he was asked, I thought, a really good question of just how does he – handle the fact of of being a football coach knowing what's all on the line and yet you have your mother who is who is sick and mm -hmm. I, I, I thought he he showed some really good just persona uh, and opened the door a little bit he even joked about you're trying to you know humanize me a little bit and <laughs> and we got we got some good stuff from Cristobal there and, and it, it was it was just a good moment to see. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I guess continued thoughts and prayers to yeah. Mario's mother. 
it doesn't sound like it's uh, you know he didn't say she's better he, continuing to fight day by day obviously indicates the significance and the severity of what's going on it sounds like a very serious situation um and you hope she recovers and mario again i thought yeah i agree i mean he's not somebody who really and he even made the, the, the comment you're not going to get me to be overly emotional or to get me the emotion that's not something he really does ever with us um, i'm sure behind the scenes there's some of it but i would even imagine he's somebody that really doesn't get into his emotions with many people at all probably has a very select you know kind of inner circle of people we're not in that circle at all so getting him to open up a little i thought was telling you know um you know but he talked about how you know asked about how difficult it would be to compartmentalize the emotional stuff with his mom with also with the football he talked about that that's part of how he was brought up though was to focus on your responsibilities and your job and what you have in front of you um and that you know, if his mother had her way, she would probably tell him, hey, don't worry about me. Fly back to Oregon. Go focus on your job and winning this football game because that's that's your task. That's what your job is. That's your responsibility. Um, I thought you kind of learned a little bit. We'll have a story up in Duck Territory, sorry, DuckTerritory.com. Say that more clearly. Slow down, Eric. Um, with all the quotes. But uh, I, 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 do, I do think you got to see and learn a little bit more about how he ticks, nothing like earth shattering, obviously, because I think everybody kind of knows who Mario is at this point. Um, he also had one of his funnier lines, I think, of the of the fall about the, the, the flying back and forth because it was suggested that was 10 hours and he was saying, oh, don't don't cut the jet short. <laughs> we got there in four hours and it was five hours of the headwind back. So um, he wasn't using as much time on the flight as uh, suggested. But yeah, you know, and, and I think it's it was important for that question to be asked because you wanted to know where your head coach's mindset was going into a big game because you don't know. I mean, this is serious stuff. This is bigger than football. And it's, I think, worth these kind of probing and saying, hey, are you you're doing okay? Because this is big stuff. And it sounds like he's taking in stride as best he can. Obviously, no one is prepared for a parent or anyone that close to you to be in a tough health situation. That's just kind of the way – life works sometimes, but I, I thought the answer was really pretty telling. And, and it sounds like obviously his focus is fully and solely on this football game on Friday. It was certainly eye-opening. Um, we haven't had a lot of sentimental moments with Mario in, in any press conference. Um, Eric, like you said, most of us who, who listen to him on a daily basis or just, you know, follow, follow the ducks, see that he's this, you know, big, hard-nosed, tough guy. And that's the, mantra he carries with him that's the mantra he carries with his team um but it was it was you know it's refreshing to know that there is this human side of mario um it's unfortunate that we have to find out about it um during this time with his mother um but you know he gave a little glimpse on you know how he and his brother were raised by his parents um just to always take care of your responsibilities first and then uh, do whatever it is after that um it was yeah it was it was nice to hear, honestly. Yeah, he talked about how he's, you know, even at his age, he still he, he makes sure to do exactly how he was raised, and you know, it, it's really showing of him as a care his overall character, um, just the way he, you know, talked about his parents, talked about his mom was. It was nice to hear. It was uh, really interesting to see that side of Mario. But again, you know, uh, thoughts and prayers to Mario and his mom. You know, just keep fighting. So hope that she makes it out. It's going to do it for us here on the Austin Audible's podcast. Uh, we'll be back on Wednesday for another show. And then uh, Thursday will probably be our preview show for this podcast. So um, until then, you've been listening to the Austin Audible's podcast.
Talk to you later, folks. Peace.